Um, every week we pray for another body of Christ because we recognize that we're not the only one. We're a part of the one. And so this week, uh, I don't know that we've prayed for uh, this church and this pastor before, but Agape Faith Church is up in Clemens, uh, North, North Carolina, and Pastor J.B. Whitfield is one of the pastors that I willingly submit to. And so I'm, I, they have fed into my life. Him and Miss Susan have fed into Nicole and I already. And really, you're a part of who they are. And so let's just lift up their ministry today. And uh, let's lift them up that they would be strengthened. And so, Father, right now, we just agree together and we lift up Agape Faith Church. Lord, we lift up everything that they're doing. Everything, Lord. We just ask that your blessing would be on them. That your strength would be in them today and from now on. That they would move in wisdom and leadership in every area of their life. That their leadership would have the wisdom, the spirit of wisdom and understanding and knowledge of the things of God, of heavenly wisdom, and moving that. We just ask for your uh, protection and your life to be on them, in them, around them, and flow through them in every way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Will you turn my mic up just a touch? And it might just need to be my monitor so I can hear that. So, Today we're finishing uh, the series, Cloudy with a Chance of Loaves and Fishes. And if you haven't been here before, uh, you, may not, you may say, what in the world is that? What in the world is cloudy with a chance of loaves and fishes? And so here, it's really, the whole series is looking at the church. We're looking at what the church should be, what does it look like. We're looking at the things that the church needs to be. And so in looking at this, here's the thing. Well, Brian, the church's church. I need to know about God. Well, that's true. You do need to know about God. But see, over in Ephesians, he made us one with God. When he said that you are my bride. He said, you are one with me. I want you, uh, Jesus said, I want you to be united and one with me and the Father. Like I'm united and one with him. That's in John 17. And so in order for you to get to know God, one of the big, huge aspects of him is the church. And you need to know what it is, what it's about, what's going on with it, how does it work, how does it function, how does it flow. And in Isaiah, <clears throat> excuse me, in Isaiah it says this, Isaiah 5.13 says, Therefore my people are going into captivity because they have no knowledge. So in other words, have you ever been bound up by something? Have you ever been in fear over something? Have you ever been bound up in sickness or maybe lack of some kind? You know what it generally is from? is a lack of knowledge of God. In Hosea it says this, My people are being destroyed because they don't know me. And so for us to get to know Him, stop being destroyed, stop being bound up, We've got to get to know Him. And in order to get to know Him fully, we've got to get to know not only Him, but also His bride. We've got to know about the church. Amen. Thank you for hot tea. So we've got to get to know about His bride. Well, that means we don't need to just you know say, oh yeah, the church is great, this is, this is all good and everything. We need to get in there. We need to say, all right, we need revelation on the church. We need to know, and I'll tell you this, most of the church that we see, it doesn't look like the church in the New Testament. It doesn't look the same. And uh, let me just pause right here. So we're gonna, we got a lot to go through really fast. I need for y'all to be fast. I also need for y'all to get engaged. <laughs> I need, amens is good. That makes me go faster. There, see that? Look, we're already moving along. All right, so, all right, Matthew 15, 32. Here's Cloudy and the Chance of Loaves and Fishes. He, here's what happened. He fed the 5,000 and he fed the 4,000, right? And in the 5,000 and the 4,000, I always had this picture of, of Jesus lifting up the basket, saying, Lord, bless it. 
And I just expected that all the power of God just happened right there. But that's not really what happened. What happened was he asked God to bless it. Jesus started breaking the bread. The power started in his hands. And then, and particularly in the four, feeding of the 4,000, he passed it to his disciples. And then as they started to break it, that's where the miracle occurred. That's where the power happened. Otherwise, Jesus would have been buried under a pile of 15,000, uh, we've been saying it the whole time, I'm not going to quit, Hebrew Happy Meals. I mean, he'd have been he'd been legs, arms sticking out because it didn't just happen in his hands. There was fifteen thousand people fed. Five thousand were men only. Then you've got women and children. The average was at least fifteen thousand. So here he is feeding fifteen thousand people. Can you imagine what it would have looked like if all of a sudden it just went? You know, he'd have been like you know they'd have been finding him under the rubble. You know, they'd been looking for him. But they weren't. What it says is he started breaking the bread. And then he passed it in the next chapter when they fed the 4,000. He passed that and the disciples continued and did what he did. And the miracles happened in their hands. So these are some keys that we found so far. Is that uh, on the church, it's not just you coming to the church and, and you receiving all the time. You have a part to play. Sit on that. You know, in Psalms it says, Selah, right? You read that and it's like, Selah. Well, for years I didn't know what that means. That means listen to this thing and sit on it. Meditate on it. Quietly ponder and listen. You have a part to play. Selah. You have a part to play. Think on that. You're not just even sitting here today. It may be your first day. You know, you may have been coming here for years. You have a part to play. You have a part. You are not valueless. You are not worthless. You have a part to play. And I, I can tell you part of the reason why we wanted to do this series is because you're going to start seeing some changes, I think, in the way that we do things. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit started convicting me as I was looking at the church, and he started convicting me that the way that we're doing things and the way we have been doing things is not entirely up to snuff with what a New Testament church looks like. We've been doing it the way that everybody else does church. And, you know, we come in, we, we open up, we have some songs. We want to be very inviting. We want to be very loving. And all of that stuff is good. But the New Testament church in Acts and then the letters looks different from our modern American church. It doesn't look the same. And particularly, we're going to look at that today. And as you see some of these things, I want you to say, hey, there may be some things that I'm kind of uncomfortable with. There may be some things that I don't, I've never done that that way before. But yet I want you to see that they're God. And if they're God, then that's where we need to be. Right. Not because the world says to do it this way or that way, but because God says to do it. And so here's, here's some statements. Just think of each one of these because you play a part. Number one, the power of God is released when you use what's in your hands. These are things we've covered in weeks one through three. The power of God is released in the hands of the body. You're the body of Christ. That's where the power's at, is in your hands. Here's why. You are the body of Christ. You are the body of his anointing. In other words, if Jesus is going to release anointing on the earth, how's it going to come today? Just zap from heaven all by itself? No people involved? No, it comes through the hands of his body. You are the body of his anointing. You are the body of Christ. The church is an authority of Christ on the earth. It said that this church, the gates of hell, will not prevail against it. You are an authority. You are. Not just me, you are. The church is a group of ambassadors 
from heaven. You are, uh, we went over last week, you really need to see everyone in this series. You, we went over last week how the kingdom has some attributes. And one of those attributes is they will see, send an ambassador to an area and they will let people stay where they're at, but they will help to govern and to legislate. That's what you are. The church is ecclesia, and if you weren't here last week, you'll have to listen to that to, to understand what it is. But basically, it's a governing body of heavenly citizens over their area in the earth. They're to govern, govern their area, but it's not for unbelievers, it's for heavenly citizens. So these are some things that we've already established about the church. Now we want to get into today, what does the church look like? So, what does the church look like? If we turn with me to Psalms 133. Back up water. Amen. Are you with me? Good. Y'all seem awfully quiet. Anybody have a tax this week? This is a part we're going to start new church right here. Anybody have any attacks this week? Yeah. How many had a hard time getting there this morning? How many didn't want to wake up? Hold your hand and keep it high. How many people didn't want to put towards effort in getting here? Well, do you see that as a personal thing or do you see that as coordination? Yeah. See, a lot of times <clears throat> a lot of times the enemy works in coordination. People don't recognize it because he tries to isolate them. If I don't tell you about my stuff that's going on and how I have to deal with it, then you won't know that our stuff that we have to deal with is the same. So then we don't recognize that it's an attack. And then we'll be like, well, it's just me. I'm just going through some stuff. No, no, no. He's attacking everybody with the same stuff. Same stuff. I was counting it up. Um, I was counting it up not too long ago. But I would say in the last two months, we have um, a regular uh, group of people that will come. And yet we've had people out of that regular group I would say I counted just real quickly eight to nine families that were missing services when they're normally here for most everyone. So let me ask you this question. Is it individual or is it coordination? coordination. All right, then if it's coordination, who is it? Yeah, it's the devil. Why? Because he tries to deceive us to keep us out of the place where God can bless us. He tries to get us to don't get them together because he knows when you get together with singleness of mind, oh, you get powerful. He wants to hold us back. And I was like, so a lot of times we'll say something like, look, when the devil's trying to keep you in bed, don't do it. And people will take that and they'll, they'll, they'll be like, well, I'm just going to do it this week. But that what they don't realize is when 20 people just do it this week, it has an effect. Yeah. And they don't realize that they're not the only one. But if each one of us will get up and do our part to be a part of the body of Christ, we can affect things in a different way. You see? And we can have that effect. And we start to realize, see, we get stories and testimonies and, and we're called for prayer a lot, so we see the overall picture a lot of times people don't, they don't, they're not privy to that information, so they don't see the coordination that goes on in the attacks of the enemy. I forget even what the attack was, but uh, it was just a few weeks ago, it was like one after the other after the other was like on finances. You know, and it's like bam, 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 finances. And then it was one after the other after the other on, you know, something else. And it, he attacks in that way, in waves. And the purpose of that is to bring discouragement. 
That's what the purpose is, is to bring you to the place where you stop doing what you're supposed to do. And as long as we'll listen to it, thank you, brother. As long as we'll sit there and we will react to his attacks, then he'll hold us down. And this is a big key into what we're talking about, what the church looks like. And you notice how uh, before I stepped into that, it was more like a presentation, right? But then now it's like real. There's something very real about it. This is real church. There's a difference there. Even though uh, your seat hasn't changed, my position up here hasn't changed, there's something very real about it because this goes into what is real church. What is uh, New Testament church in Christ? It goes into it. Let's look at this in Psalms 133, verse 1 through 3. It says this, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. Now, let, let me just throw this out. So in other words, is unity a good thing? Okay, all right. So let me, let me take uh, Todd and Seth. Come over here real quick, please. Practical app time. Y'all just stand here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, now watch. Can I be in unity with them over here? So, like, I could watch a video of them on the internet and TV, right? But am I in unity? I can't be in unity if I'm not with them. So it's God for me, just out of unity alone. Forget all the rest of the verses for just a second. Just in order for me to get in unity, I've got to get around them. I've got to get to know what they're thinking. What are they talking about? I've got to fellowship with them. I can't just watch the, the highlights and the, I can't just watch uh, you know, the outline of preaching. I've got to get around them in order to be unified with them. And watch this, you know, let, I was going to do this a little bit later on, and I'll still talk about it later on, but, all right, which one is stronger, right? All right, so y'all go and face that way. There's a, you know, just look that way. Go and look that way. All right, so there's a big bad enemy this way, right? So it's like, all right, getting your three-point stance, we're going to take him out. Bam, hey, let's get him, right? All right, so now just think about it that way. All right, which one is stronger, Oh, praise God. Yes, y'all take him down. Amen. Yeah, take him down. We, you know, praise God. I'm agreeing with you in prayer. Hallelujah. I am lifting you up. Yes, Lord, give them strength. Faith without works is dead. Let's get them, boys. Come on, let's go, right? Which one's stronger? Now I'm backing you up. Which one is unified? Which one is stronger? Which one has strength? You've got to be together. Just to get in unity brings a blessing, but you've got to understand that I can't be in unity without being a part. Without being together. This is a part of church, and there's a big thing going on right now that's saying, hey, I don't have to be there. I can just have church at my house by myself, just me and the Lord. Uh-uh, wrong. Incorrect. And now that doesn't mean that you can't have, uh, I got, amen. <laughs> They're amen in me. <laughs> anyway, so y'all just aren't amen in as much. It makes them stick out. It's not their fault. Amen. <laughs> so here's the thing. You can't just sit back and do that. You've got to be a part. Now, does that mean you've got to be there for every single service and there's condemnation over that? No, not at all. Not at all. It just means that on an overall basis, I need to make sure that I'm there, that I'm a part of it. I've got to get to know these brothers. I've got to get to know these sisters. We've got to come together in unity. That means we've got to start thinking the same. We've got to start talking the same. I know, I know what they're thinking before they even know what they're thinking. And that way, when we go to move against the enemy, we're moving as one. 
point number one about the church is this. The church is your lifeline. Now I'm going to tell you this. It's, the church without Christ is nothing. But with Christ, it's a part of the way that he brings life to you. Matter of fact, it's probably the major way that he brings life to you is through the body of believers. And I can go into that. This subject is so huge, I kept telling Nicole all week, I could literally preach 20, 20 messages on what I'm giving you in one sermon. Don't flip out. Fear not. Fear not. And now we're interacting. This is good stuff. It's good. I just, what, I throw a little fear out of there. Y'all are like, ah, no, don't do that. Don't do, don't do an hour and a half, Brian. Oh, my gracious. Two hours. You got, amen. Thank you. That's my man. Now you're thinking like me. Amen. He said, do two hours. I'll call in work. So, watch this. Psalm 1 to 33. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head coming down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard coming down upon the edge of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon coming down upon the mountains of Zion. Zion represents the church. For there the Lord commanded the blessing. Life forever. Anybody got a beard in here? James does. Will you come here? He's got his trimmed up good and short. <laughs> but let's pretend that he has a big old bushy beard, all right? Like, <laughs> all right, so let's pretend that he has, he has a, a big bushy beard. But we'll just use this. So, it looks good too. I did just Amen, praise God. So he has oil, and uh, I'm not going to soak you or anything, but he has oil. This, this is some oil here. And um, it says that the oil comes down, the anointing, when we come together and we're one in unity, here's what happens. The anointing of God, now that represents his power and his life. It comes down upon the head. It flows down on the beard, and then it flows even to the bottom of the robe. Okay? Now here's what I want you to get. There's, there is an order of the power of God that's released. There's an order of the way that God gets His anointing and power to you. There's an order of how God gets life to you. And it flows in a particular way from the head to the beard, to the bottom. So here's what that means. It starts at the head with Christ. The beard represents elders and eldership. It's important that that's in there. It didn't just say from the head to the bottom of the robe. It said from the head, it said through the beard, to the beard. In other words, there's a flow from the head of Christ to the eldership that Christ has put into place to every part of the body, to the bottom fringes of the robe. Every piece is covered, not just the shoulders, not just the, the upper body. Every piece of the body is covered by that anointing. Listen to this. When they're connected to the order of God. When they're connected to the lifeline of how God brings life and power. And without being connected, what if I was a part of this, you know, part of the robe? What if I'm the pinky toe in the body, right? Don't judge me. All right, so uh, what if I'm the pinky toe? How am I going to get anointing? Can I be over here and separate from the body going, oh, yes, I pray for you, body, all the time? Is that anointing going to flow? Not if I'm not connected. I've got to be connected to the order that God has put into place. And with that connection comes the anointing, the vision, the direction that God has for me. Thank you, sir. It's important to see that. 
Here's one of the big things. Thank you. Here's one of the big things that happens is this. When you connect to a body of Christ, you are connecting to a shepherd. You're connecting to the eldership in God. You're talking about the fivefold ministry, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, okay? You're connecting, and it's through them that your anointing will flow. It's through them that your life will flow. This is the way that God has set it up. For you to say that it flows some other way is to say that God is lying. For you to say, no, I can experience church all by myself at home is calling God a liar. That's not true. And what you'll find is it's exactly what the devil wants because he's now separated you, disconnected you, isolated you, cut you off from the power and life, and then all of a sudden things start going bad. You start wondering, how did I get here? It's because you were disconnected from the lifeline that God has established. Now the lifeline by itself, you know, the eldership of Christ, it, it can't do it by itself. It has to be connected to the head too. I would say that there's some churches out there probably, almost assuredly, they're not even really connected to the lifeline. They're not connected to the head. So there's not going to be very much oil that passes on, power and anointing that passes on, because they're not connected themselves. They don't even know Christ. You do realize there's preachers in the pulpit that don't know Jesus, right? Even though they're preaching Jesus. You, you do realize that. And then everybody looks at them and says, well, look, that's the way you know, church is. No, that's not the way church is. They don't even know. They're not even connected to the head. You want to look for somebody that knows him, that's a part of him, that's connected to him. Is this like super hot? All right. Ooh, let that lid stay off. <laughs> All right. Now watch this. Let's say that we have a flock, and I, I'm just going to come stand in the middle of this group here next to J Miss Jordan. Amen. Not going to embarrass her. Let's say that I'm a shepherd in the middle of this flock, right? And, and if it's a flock, I'm a shepherd. That would make y'all... Okay, well, you called yourself that. I wasn't going to call you that, but it, it's good. That's right, you're correct. All right, so if, here's the thing. Now, if you're a sheep and I'm standing over the flock, can sheep see as far as the shepherd can see? No. So if I'm standing here in the middle of the flock, can I see a little bit further then? Yes. Can, and here's another question. Am I anointed to do that? Is that part of my call, right? So in other words, my, part of my job is to be able to see further down the road than sheep are. It doesn't mean sheep can't see for themselves. It just means this is a part of the call. It's a part of the order and lifeline of God. That means that I can see further and see trouble. Oh, look, there's a huge... Uh, a huge uh, gap over there. There's a huge river. They can't even see it, but we can't get across that. We're going to have to find another way. So I redirect. Well, they may see the big mountain they want to go to. Sheep may say, oh, I want to go to that mountain. I want to go to that mountain. I'm like, well, there's a huge river there. We've got to find another way. Well, the mountain's right there. Pastor, why are we not going straight to the mountain? Because I can see something that you can't. Because I've... in in that order and in that lifeline, I've received vision and direction that maybe you don't see yet. You don't see the whole picture, but when you get closer, you'll see why. And does it mean that you should trust everything that comes out of my mouth? You should not. You should take it. You should take it back to the Lord. You should see if your heart, heart says, hey, yeah, that aligns up. Let me put it this way. If I'm preaching, you ought to be able to look in the Word and go back for yourself and examine the Word and say, man, that was right on. Be like a good Berean in Acts that says they took what I said, they went back into the Word, and they made sure. But can you see just in the nature that God has set up a flock and a shepherd, it kind of speaks to the idea that a shepherd is designed to have some oversight and to help point in vision and direction that God has. You see that? Alright, so, here's the other thing. What people don't realize is uh, Matthew 6 
33 says what? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. So here's the question. Should you be after the vision of your own life first? Your job, your family, your retirement, your fun, boats, cars, houses, that kind of vision? Or should the vision of God come first? So if the vision of God is to come first and you are connected to the vision and direction through the church and through the body, where is your lifeline? Where does the stuff that you actually need in life and want in life come from? Does it come from you seeking it first or does it come through the church? It comes through from the head, through Christ, through the eldership, to the body. So a lot of what people are missing is they're out there trying to go and grab everything that life has for them. They're trying to go grab everything, but what they really need is to connect to the vision, go after the vision that God's put in the earth through this body first, and in that they are empowered by that anointing to receive everything that he wants to add to them. And the problem is when we go after chasing all of our personal visions, it's like sand when you try to grasp it. And the stronger you grasp it, the more it just slips through your finger. But if we will connect with the vision that God's given us, all of a sudden we're connecting right in to the lifeline, straight through the eldership, straight through the church, straight through to Jesus, straight through to a loving Father. He said this, the gospel is this. That through you, through people, all the nations would be blessed. This is the good news. This is the gospel. All this tea and stuff like that. We get done. I'm not going to be able to stand by that door. I'm going to have to take a break. By itself, the church brings no life, but in Christ, God has ordained it to be a lifeline and a power source. A religion has made the church almost completely impotent and powerless. Religion says that you're not connected at all. You're just, we're going to keep you in the place of sheep and you never do anything, you never grow, you never become anything. You can't even study the word without me. You You need me. That's what religion says. That's not what God says. Let's look at how our services should look like. The first part is Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. And, And we already covered this some. It says, And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now we already you know, talked about being in unity and assembling together. And you can't be a part and be a part. You can't be a part and be a part of the body. See if I can say that different. You can't be by yourself and be a part with us and be in unity. Right? In order to be in unity, you've got to come together. You got to get to know. And here's the thing this is one of the major things that I think is missed in this, is because the church has become more of a show and more of a, you know, a speaker and all of this stuff. Here's what happens you just come in and you're like, I need to get a little dose for me. That, there you go, for me. Well, now you're right back to not seeking the kingdom first, you're just seeking to help your life first. And you're actually going to church missing out on the anointing because you're not connected. And they say it's just for me. Now, look, the church is for you. But when that becomes the only reason and you don't become a part of it and you're not an integral member of the body, you're missing something. The church is not meant to be just a show and just a... um, um, I, I say this... Later on, I'm getting ahead of myself. But let, let me say it this way. 
me find my note here. The church is, is not just a salvation center only. In other words, what we've done in America is we've taken the church and we've made it a production and we've made it all about sinners. The church is a group and a congregation of citizens. Now that may sound cold on the, at the beginning, but what we've turned it into is come in and accept Christ. Let us basically give you a sales pitch for Christ. That's not the design. And we're going to look at that in a little bit of detail. That's not the design. The design is to have a body of believers that are trained up for the ministry. And so what this says is, let us come together and your job is not just to sit there. It's not just about you. It says right there, when we're not supposed to forsake ourselves, it says, let us come in and let us encourage one another. Let us lift one another up. This is the purpose. I'm here to play a part. I'm not here just to hear something that will help me through the week. I'm here to hear, hear something that will help me through the week. But also I'm here to lift up some brothers. Lift them up. Encourage them. Be a part of their lives. And how will I know what they need if I'm not here? If I'm not a part? If I don't get to know them? A lot of times people are like, Brian, how did you know that was going on in my life? It's because I'm a part of your life. A lot, of times, a lot of times it is word of wisdom, word of knowledge, but a lot of times it's because I've gotten to know you, I can see it on you. Because I've decided I'm going to fellowship with you. And that's not just for the pastor to do that. That's for every believer to get to know one another. So that when they see a, another brother or sister and they're going through something, they are right there there with them they are right there and it wasn't just Brian's job to recognize everything the pastor's job to recognize everything that those two sheep may be on the fringe of the flock and the shepherds look in another direction and not see the uh, the sheep that's looking back I want to go back to the world I want to go back and he's he's not looking at the mountain he's looking back to the valley but there's another brother and sister that's not just there just for them and he says hey don't go back there it's not, let me encourage you. Let me pick you up. There ain't no better place to go but the mountain of God. You don't want to go back to the valley of the world. Yeah. And see, I'm not going to see everything, and I shouldn't. Because there's other believers that are encouraging one another with me. And as the time draws near, we should do so all the more. Psalms 100, verse 4. I'm going to go through these scriptures quick. I hope those listening on audio got a good example of what that sounded like, sipping tea. <laughs> that one was fake. Slurp, slurp. Psalms 100 verse 4 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. What should the church look like? The first thing that should happen is we want to enter the presence of God and we enter with thanksgiving no matter what you feel like is going on because you know that He's worthy of thanks no matter what's going on. We enter His courts with praise. In other words, we come into the beginning. You know, this is why we want to open our services saying, Lord, we just thank You. We praise You. And I want You to be a part. It's not just for You to sit back and go, look at them, they're thanking God. And now they're praising Him. Awesome. Your job is to come in and go, man, I'm thanking God too. I'm agreeing too. I'm praising Him too. It's, it's to engage. It's to be a part of it. To come together and say, hey, I'm, I'm lifting up one another. I'm my thing. You know, it's like that story where they were in the jail and they started singing and praising God. And the chains didn't just fall off them. They fell off everybody in the jail. You never know when your thankfulness and praise is going to break the chains off of somebody else. The person standing next to you in your row. 
You're not just coming just to get you fed, not just to watch the show. You're coming in with an engagement. You're coming in with an expectation. You're coming in going, yes, Lord, I thank you too. I praise you too. I'm a part of this. I'm a part of this body. We have a common goal. We have a common purpose. And I'm not letting just the people at the front go tackle the enemy by themselves. I'm going to shine my light with them. I'm going to be the light with them. I'm going to add my light to theirs so that strength grows. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 8. says this, when Jesus ascended on high, it says he gave gifts to men. Now you may or may not feel like this, but this is the word and it's true. He says he gave gifts unto men and those gifts are laid out in verse 10, um, or excuse me, verse 11. Let's go to verse 10. It says, he who descended is himself also he who ascended far above all the heavens, so that he might feel all things. So what he's describing is what he's giving to the church, and the purpose that he's giving them is to feel all things. That church is your lifeline. If you want to be filled with all things, it's filled, partially at the very least, through the church. I would say the majority, through the body. He says, here's how I'm going to feel all things in verse 11. And he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. Now these are the gifts, and I want you to recognize this because it's not my job by myself to recognize a gift. If you're a part of the body and you are a part, then it's your job to say, I'm going to honor what God honors. If he says these guys are a gift, then I'm going to treat them as such. So one of the big things that you need to do is you need to recognize when you see apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, God gave them as a gift. Stop looking at them as the one that gets on your case. Amen. Look at them as the one that's helping you connect to the life and anointing of God. And if I will hand myself over to the Lord and accept them as the gift that they are, they will help Christ fill all in me. It's who they are. It's what they're called to do. And the Bible talks about it some, but it talks about, and I'll just say it in my own words, you know how hard it is to actually help you when you don't want to receive the help or you don't want to honor the gifts that he's already given? You know, that'd be like, you know, handing my, my daughter, you know, here's the brand new iPhone, right? I see, here's why she's like, yeah, 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 because she esteems it. But with God, what if she didn't esteem a brand new iPhone? What if she didn't esteem it? What if she didn't make up her mind to esteem and honor what God honors? And then when I try to give it to her, no, you need to have, I, I don't really want it, what? And yet it's a really good gift. But I don't really want that. I mean, no, no thanks. No, take it. No, I don't really. No, take it. No. Yeah. Take it. Ah, you know. <laughs> but see, that's happening all the time in the body of Christ because we as sheep and as the part of the body don't esteem the gifts. Listen to what these gifts as the church is designed to bring you. Verse 12. Now listen, you can read these as the definition of what the church is supposed to do. For the equipping of the saints for the work of the service to the building up of the body of Christ. Now first of all, who is equipped? The saints. To do what? The work of the, of the service, the ministry of God. Now, this is a huge change because what we've looked at it is, and I know that you haven't looked at it like this fully, but what we've looked at it as is this, is that, oh, pastors, apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, they're supposed to do the work. Somebody's in the hospital, pastor better get up there, I'm telling you. I've had more than one 
you know, person, I can't believe I was in the hospital and the pastor didn't come to see me. And it's not that the pastor shouldn't have come to see you. Maybe he should, maybe he shouldn't. Maybe the body should have represented the heart and the vision of that body. Sometimes it's right to go, sometimes it's not right to go. But, but people think that the pastor's supposed to do it all. They're not, because the saints are supposed to do the work of the ministry. The work of service. It's you who are bringing apart. And the building up of the body of Christ, in other words, in the church, our job is not to just win sinners, our job is to build you up. To help you be all that you can be in Christ. In the Lord's army. To help you be that. That's our job. That's what this is for. If sinners come in, praise God. Let's hope that they get born again. And we'll give them a message that, that will lead them to the life of God. I mean, we'll, we'll get them. But you know what? It doesn't have to happen just in a service. You could lead them. Right in the middle of worship. When you're praying for them and you say, do you need anything? They say, I just need to know Jesus. But because now you're built up, you lead them right to Jesus right there before the preaching ever starts. Verse 13, what are these gifts bringing? What is the church bringing? Until we all attain. We all grab a hold of these things. Not just a few, but all of us. In other words, all of us need to be connected in order to get these things. We all attain to the unity of the faith. We need to all attain the unity, the knowledge of the Son of God. To a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Now listen to that. The stature of the fullness of Christ that's available to you? Yes. And where does it come from? The church. Now, you, I don't want you to get the idea that I'm making the church out to be the Savior. It's not. But because it's attached to the Savior, it can bring the things of the Savior. Does that make sense? As a result, now listen to this. Tell me if this doesn't sound desirable in your life. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. We're no longer to be the kind of people that just every wind that blows through the earth, we fall for it and it wind up in a trap and in the deception. No, we grow up into the fullness, the mature man of Christ, woman of God, woman of Christ that we are supposed to be. But we, in that growing up, we grow up to the point where we speak the truth in love, and we are to grow up in all aspects into the head, who, into Him who is the head, even Christ. In other words, if Christ is standing there and we have a picture of Him, our job in the body of Christ is to receive instruction so that we constantly grow up, so that we look like, in all aspects, like Jesus. Like Him. From whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Now I want you to see that last verse. It says, the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies. Every joint. In other words, can I do this by myself? Just as a pastor. Can I do it by myself? No, because by myself I don't have every joint. 
by myself, I don't have the part that you bring into this because just as much as these gifts are there to help build you into that body, I can't do it without you. I can't do it without you bringing your part into the service. In other words, walking in with thankfulness, walking in with praise, walking in with expectation, growing in the gifts of God, growing in the gifts so that you can help the people that are next to you. I can't do it by myself. So in other words, as we continue on, uh, in 1 Corinthians 12, 7, it says, but to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To each believer is given the manifestation of the Spirit or the gifts of the Spirit. Why? For the common good. In other words, when we come together, I need Seth operating in his gift. I need George operating in his gift. I need Barrett operating in her gift. I need Tara operating in her gift. I need Jade operating in her gift. Because maybe Jade won't speak every single, every single day or have something to say, but maybe one day she's sitting there and she knows, man, the Holy Spirit just gave her a word, and that word sets free somebody else in the body because every joint is supplying. So as a pastor, my job is not to just stand up here and just constantly tell y'all what to do and watch as you move. My job is to receive vision from heaven and receive that direction for your life. And as you plug into that direction, you have anointing for the rest of your life so that you will have everything you need and desire in your work and play and your family, all that stuff too, as you're connected. But my job is to sit up here and, and be an authority but to be able to say, somebody's got a word for somebody today. Somebody's got a word of wisdom right now on how to handle that situation that Todd's having. Somebody has right now a word of knowledge. What is that? Because every joint should supply. And it's not that we expect people to walk in the door just ready to go, here I am, I'm ready to supply, you know. <laughs> But you come in and you grow and you learn and you learn, hey, that was God, that wasn't God. You learn, you grow, you start maturing in Christ. And then when your brother or sister beside you needs support, somebody in the room that day has got the answer that they need. They have the strength, the power, the anointing to release. It's directed, it has an order. 1 Corinthians 12, 18, But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as He desired. You're placed. We should not go just because I like this place or I don't like this place. We should go because this is my place and God's told me to be here. This is my place. This is where God said to be. And it doesn't matter who likes it or doesn't like it. It doesn't matter how long my family's gone this place or that place. What matters is what has God said is my place. Amen. Because he's the one who placed me. And if it's done right, not me. I just agreed to get in my place. I just agreed. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 